and welcome to this edition of The Mighty. This is Ben Micellis joined by my brothers Brett and Jordy. I have to say, I get a lot of requests to take various interviews, but a request that came up over and over again is you gotta get Marie Glusikam Perez on the podcast. She is running for Washington's third congressional district. And and I got two reasons for the request. On the one hand, there was everyone saying, Marie's incredible. She's a fifth generation Washingtonian. We know about her auto shop right here in the Portland area, and she's an incredible candidate. So I got a lot of requests saying that. And I also got a lot of requests saying the person who Marie's running against, uh, Joe Kent, is a MAGA extremist who is an election denier who claims Antifa's running around everywhere. And that's why there shouldn't be any economic investment in Washington 3rd Congressional District. You put out a video. We have so much to talk about. But Marie Glusiklan Perez, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I I am I am running on jet fuel here. It's really great to <laughs> sure. see all of you. Thank you. <laughs> and so one of the things that you are also running on in addition to jet fuel is this idea of normalcy and moderation. Uh, you were endorsed by the former uh, congresswoman who or the current congresswoman, but who was defeated in the primaries by you know, a combination of you and Joe Kent, the mega extremist, then you're running on that moderation. Can you talk about why that's so important in Washington's third? Yeah, I mean, this is, um, well, I think we're all frankly, just really tired of just the like, division. I think we're really tired uh-huh. of feeling like we have to like, look at somebody's bumper sticker be- before we pull over and help them on the side of the road. You know, I think that's just a really impoverished version of what it used to mean to like live in a community in America. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, this is a, this is a very light red purple district. Um, and representing this district is, you know, that that's what it means is to work right down the middle and, and provide substantive, you know, improvement of people's lives, not this kind of frothy clickbait politics that we see all over the place. And, you know, Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler, who currently represents Washington third, many of our viewers and listeners will remember from the January 6th committee. She was one of the courageous Congress members, I think, who had reached out to Kevin McCarthy right away and said, what the hell is going on here? We need help. And McCarthy was like, well, Trump's telling me everyone it's like a famous line with Butler calling and McCarthy's like, well, Trump's saying it's Antifa. It's actually not uh, insurrectionists. And so there's nothing that we can do. And really, it's kind of on that basis that she just said, look, insurrections are bad. We shouldn't have insurrections in this country and we should have free and fair elections that she drew uh, Kent and this MAGA extremist challenger to take her out to spread conspiracies. Do I, do I have the history somewhat right there of how we yeah, get Yeah, right, right. Yeah, she was one of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump the second time. And then it was a crazy primary with like, there were 10 people running at one point and they were all trying to out MAGA each other. And my opponent, Joe Kent, was the one who did get Trump's endorsement and has been um, leading that bandwagon here. It's, you know, he's had, he's, he's had Proud Boys on his staff um, he's been out talking about um, banning all immigration for 20 years. It, it's it, uh, and and he said uh, to reestablish a white majority. I mean, this guy is Jeez. like beyond the pale of anything we've seen 
and the Northwest. This guy is the most extreme candidate we've ever seen. And so it's really out of step with this district, which is a moderate district. That's Brian Baird, Jamie Herr, Butler. Um, and I will tell you the craziest thing that just happened. We were, uh, <laughs> we were at, a, at a debate on KGW, and, and, and he's telling us that we should have machine guns. We've banned machine guns since 1934. He says that oh, any yeah. weapon the military has, citizens should have. So, like, where does that end? Are we talking about, like, surface-to-air missiles? Are we talking about tactical nukes? Like, are we going to have, like, GoFundMes to buy... <laughs> Uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy. But the answer to your question there for him, if you were to ask him those questions at the debate, because essentially he was, he will answer those questions. Yes. He literally is, I believe, you know, and this is hard to say because there's a lot of dangerous extremist candidates in this election here on Midas Touch. We just talk about moderation, normal, exhausted majority. But Joe Kent may be the most extremist anywhere in the country, and he's running in Washington's third. So I have to play this video that your campaign put out, which is Joe's greatest hits, because everything that you just said, and this is what we do at Midas Touch, we always show the videos and the statements that verify that that's actually what was said. So I got to play Joe's greatest hits, a video your campaign put out, and then I want to talk to you about it. I have my issues with the way the last election went. It was stolen, it was rigged. We are in a war with the left. We are in a war with the establishment too. The national security state has been weaponized against us at the behest of the progressive left and the globalists. I don't think there's anything wrong with there being a like white people like special interest group. The blame for what happened on January 6th, none of this is on President Trump. I mean, it, it reeks of an absolute intelligence operation. I 100% uh, support Roe versus Wade being overturned. I would move to have a national ban on abortion. Privatized, high-interest, tax-free savings plan that's managed on, on the private sector, on Wall Street, is a much better option for Social Security. The folks in Congress right now, like Matt Gates, I think has been absolutely unapologetic. Marjorie Taylor Greene's another one. She's a, a great fighter. We have to realize that we're at war. Bringing the national security state to heel must be our top priority. We're going to go after AG Garland, impeaching Joe Biden. We are in very dangerous waters right now, unprecedented. We've never been here before. I mean, wow, I, I'm I'm left speechless after seeing that, which is also one yeah. of the reasons why I had to yeah. just I had to get you on this podcast. I had to talk to you. So when you see that, what's your message to voters in Washington's third? Take him seriously. Take him seriously. This is not a game. You know, I mean, this this guy's dad was one of the lawyers on the Ruby Ridge case. Like this is somebody that is very serious about pointing our country towards civil war. He, he says it there like he believes we're at war. And, you know, I think that we've been entirely too sanguine about where our democracy is headed towards. Um, you know, we did not take them seriously enough when they said they were going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And, and here we are, you know, millions of women are suffering because of that. Uh, this, is, this is a crisis and it's time for us to, to uh, get in the ring and fight for this. You know, and then he takes that extremism and dangerous at a federal level dangerous at a state level, 
dangerous at a local level and economically very harmful because his views, for example, is that a light rail between Portland and Vancouver, Washington on a new badly needed I-5 replacement bridge is a plot to bring Antifa into the district. And because of all of these conspiracies, he literally wants to turn his back on bringing economic opportunities into the district and into and into the area. I mean, well, yeah. It, well, and not only that, I mean, one of the other things he says is that he will defund our police departments because he doesn't like the laws they're enforcing. Um, that is tyranny. That is tyranny. Like we, you know, we um, elect our local governments and to have somebody pull the, the purse strings like that is is crazy. You know, he talks about defunding Oregon and Washington because he doesn't like their immigration policies. It, it is wild. And, you know, like, there are 39 vacancies in the Clark County Sheriff's Department right now. Um, and Joe Ken's talking about making it worse because he's worried about light rail. Like what what in the actual heck is going on? Wow. And let's tell us a little about yourself. Um, yeah. You know, I want to I, I want to know about you, your background running for Washington's third. Did, did I did I butcher anything in the introduction about <laughs> your background? <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. So I, I live in rural Skamania County, um, get my water from a well, get my internet from my radio tower. I'd probably be the only member of Congress that doesn't have broadband at home. Um, but uh, for a living, my husband and I, uh, we own an auto repair and a machine shop. So we, we, uh, we're an independent shop, which is kind of a dying breed. We're not affiliated with any dealership. And so we're, we're out there um, doing our thing, uh, work on all kinds of cars, um, a lot of older cars. And I think that's, that's the really interesting thing because it's like that you you are seeing middle America every day. You're seeing people who are struggling to pay the bill to have their catalytic converter replaced. You know, you're seeing people who have had their windows smashed. You're seeing people who are, um, you know, just trying to get one more year out of a Honda Civic that's you know already at you know four hundred fifty thousand. Um, and I think we need to have a Congress that looks like America, that understands what we're facing. And, and, I, and for me, I think like part and parcel of that is being a mom. I have a 15-month-old. Um, and it, it, like any new parent will tell you, getting a spot in a daycare right now, is it's a blood sport. Like one in 10 child care facilities has shut down permanently in America since 2019. And so we bring our baby to work with us because that's the option that's available to us. And like that's a position of privilege to be able to take your kid in and it sucks. <laughs> like having a toddler in an auto shop is like, it's a, it's frankly kind of a nightmare. Um, but uh, that is the reality for so many working moms, for so many small businesses trying to navigate these issues. And the reality is, is that you're actually somebody who understands the struggle of working class families. And I feel like that's so important right now as families are facing issues like higher prices out there. So what would your taking those learnings, taking your firsthand experiences, what would your priorities be to help these people with you know lowering costs and whatnot? Should you get into Congress? Yeah, I think that. Um... I, I kind of think of these things like this has been a long arc in getting us here. We've had a, a long, you know, a couple decades of losing American jobs, losing like Amer like factories being offshored. Um, and, and I will tell you, um, I see this in the automotive industry, just like a deterioration of the parts that are available, like aftermarket parts have gotten crappier and crappier and that hits the middle class first. And it's just this slow sort of bankruptcy of our assets. You know, we have, so many um, uh, homes being bought up by investment firms, 
not being bought up by first-time home buyers. Um, we have um, it, so what you know, we, and we've also seen. I think we're all kind of in the generation where we've seen the best trade schools, like for instance, like Benson, getting turned into computer programming schools. Which, you know, the thing about trades jobs is they can never be offshored. They are uh-huh. family wage jobs. Like, like you're not going to be able to hire an electrician in China to like wire in a heat pump. Right. And they're part and parcel of like the green economy, right? Like it's, it's a carpenter, you know, it's somebody putting spray foam insulation in your house. It's new windows. It's all those things. And so it, it's going to take us time to work ourselves back into an economy that is like uh, operating from a position of strength that has inherent value in it. Um, and that's going to mean investing in trade programs. I think one of the, the biggest okay, linchpins of that is for me, one of the things I'm excited about working on is right now Pell Grants can only be used for two and four year colleges. They need to be available for apprenticeship programs too. Um, we, you know, we need to support more trades and, and, and that slow growth in the economy is what's going to get us back to a position of strength. And so in addition to supporting the working class, in addition to lowering costs, one of the things on voters' minds I know is safety and and crime. And I just want to reiterate some of the things that we spoke about already during this interview. Your extremist opponent came out in support of legalizing machine guns and any weapon (laughs) in the U.S. military. He wants that to all be available all on the streets of our cities and our towns. He wants to defund the police department. He spends his time attacking the FBI lying about what happened on January 6th. So what is your message to families who are concerned about safety, knowing that your extremist opponent literally wants to put machine guns on the street? Yeah, Joe Kent wants to defund the police. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that is that is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's talking about, he, he has this idea of like constitutional sheriffs. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, um, but it is it is what little like fiefdoms look like. You know, he they, this belief that the sheriff is the highest elected official in an area. And um, it's terrifying. <laughs> um, it is, uh, um, it is not what a safe America looks like. And, and, you know, I will tell you, like, I, I mean, we talked about catalytic converters and that's like the, that's not the sort of bleeding edge of crime that makes the headlines, but you know, so what's going on with catalytic converter theft is that there's about $30 of platinum and a catalytic converter on a, on a car. Uh-huh. Thousands of them have been stolen, like tens of thousands ac- across our region. People are melting them down, basically. And that's a $1,300 bill to replace a catalytic converter. And that is eviscerating so many people's emergency funds. And like, we don't have a Congress that cares about that. We don't have a, con- you know, Joe Ken doesn't care about that. He doesn't understand what that means. Um, you know, the organization that addresses organized crime is the FBI. That, that's what that's mm-hmm. what the FBI does is organized crime, um, you know, uh, child predators. Joe Kent wants to defund them. That's not going to make our communities safer. Uh, you know, you can have a machine gun all you want all day long. That's not going to fix the low level crime that is hurting our communities. That's why I mean, that's why it's so important to, that we have people in Congress like you who are mm-hmm. of a working class background, who actually have real world experience, aren't just like billionaires who who don't understand yeah. what's actually going on. Uh, you know, it's one of the interesting things has been watching the dynamic between Kevin McCarthy and Joe Kent. It's yeah. one of the most bizarre things to see from the outside because yeah. they've famously butted heads 
But, you know, recently Kevin McCarthy has come around to Joe Kent. And the fascinating thing that I saw is McCarthy just held a fundraiser for Joe Kent in your state. And like neither of them wanted to speak about it. Like both of them like tried to kind of hide that it even happened. They posted one picture about it on social media, would not speak to the media, would not answer any questions, would not say what happened. Why do you think they both are kind of wanting to hide their association with each other? It's just a weird I'm thing. Sh- yeah. Well, I think McCarthy does want, I mean, McCarthy wants credibility in Joe's circles of the MAGA extremists. And so I think that was probably a pretty carefully navigated agreement. And Joe is, Joe's, you know, his funding, um, listen, he he spent the entire primary bashing the uh, Republican establishment, you know, and and now turns out uh, he needs their help to actually get elected. He, you know, ran around with, Basically, like right after the primary, like he was running around with Jamie's head, you know, or the the incumbent Republican he unseated, how proud he was about that work. And and I'm going to tell you, like a lot of moderate Republicans were not thanking him for that yeah. because now they're going to have to vote for a Democrat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that is that is the crazy thing, too, I would say on on campaign finance, like just as like a normal person running for Congress, like that is the crazy thing. You realize how much money these things take, you know, and like I run a business, you know, it's, it's like a, you know, we've got eight employees. Like I, I understand that it takes money to do stuff. Um, You know, it's a six base shop, but then you get into the scale of like a federal campaign and you understand the insanity of our campaign finance. Like it is bananas. And early on, I made the choice, like, not to take corporate pack checks because it's important that our representatives are accountable. Um, Mm. But it is it it is um, very deeply concerning having gotten gotten a a closer view into campaign finance. And so I will make this pitch like listeners out there like I have no trust fund like this is a grassroots campaign. And if you're able to chip in, it still does make a big difference. Yeah, please do that. I mean, we're going up against uh, just such crazy amounts of dark money, all all these billionaires coming out of the woodworks to fund these campaigns. Like, I, I, I think people get it to some extent, but I still don't think they fully understand just how corrupt that whole process is. So your small small dollar donations go a really long way. One of the things I've been impressed about watching you is, is you've seemed to really be able to break through um, to rural voters in the country. And I feel like rural voters often feel neglected by the Democratic Party. So what would your advice be um, just to the Democratic Party at large on how to reach these voters who think the Democratic Party has not been speaking to them for these past few years? Stop. Democrats need to stop explaining things to rural voters. Like it is so pedantic and like offensive. Like we know stuff they don't know. You know, sure, they know stuff we don't know. But I've had this experience of, you know, the, you know, higher electives like you need to go in and listen to a community. You can't come in and just explain things all the time. Mm-hmm. Like there needs to be a lot more humbleness when you come into a community and, and not this like prescriptive, like, Oh, I'm here to help you. You know, you need to understand what's going on in our communities. What do we think the solutions are? Like I am the second candidate ever nominated in the third congressional district. That's not from Clark County. You know, that's just like a huge lack of representation for the yeah, interests wow. of rural communities. Um, and, and I think we're all just really tired of being told what, you know, we just kind of get pat on the head all the time and and told like, oh, you don't understand these things and, and, uh, we've got to do better. 
Yeah. I, I saw you, uh, I saw you fire off a tweet about this. So I wanted to get your take here as well. So your opponent refers to the January 6th insurrectionists as political prisoners. Meanwhile, on that day, five police officers died as a, as a result of that day. So when you can't condone the death of, of cops by insurrectionists, I mean, what does that say about one's moral compass and, and their ability to lead? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was horrifying. And he's, he's like doing this, like, you know, weaselly evasion. He's like, well, they didn't die that day. I'm like, what are you taught? They like, you know, Ugh. that's, that's the problem is like it, when you, when you condone political violence, when it's in service of your team, mm-hmm. like that's the, the, exactly what you said. Like there's no moral compass there. That's, that is a huge problem. Like there needs to be an unwavering standard of what's acceptable um, and, and political dialogue. And, and we have just completely gone off the rails. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you've hit on this uh, sort of throughout this, but, but I wanted to ask it more pointedly. Um, you know, what are some issues at Washington's third that, that you would like to focus on uh, in that office that doesn't get sort of the national attention, but are, but are really important to your constituents? Well, we are one of the districts, like so much paper and cardboard used to come so much, say, you know, uh, uh, lumber. And like where I live in Stamania County, we butt up against the Gifford Pinchot. And um, we were five years ago, we were about seven miles from the Eagle Creek wildfire. Um, this year, we were two miles from the Nakia Creek wildfire. Like it's getting closer and closer and closer. And there's just a lack of urgency in addressing the broader climate change drivers of wildfire and also the practical um, reality on the ground. Like the woods are a hot mess. Um, and it's been such a political football, you know, I think from from all sides without a real addressing of like the actual health of the woods. Like we need real investments in prescribed burns and in thinning projects like that's just not happening enough. And I think this is important because another thing, another like issue, I think that a lot of us are starting to become aware of are microplastics like there's microplastics mm. everywhere they're in our shellfish they're like they're in our waters like they're in our bodies um and they have real impacts and you know one of the drivers of microplastics is like overabundance of plastic packaging and the solution to plastic packaging is paper and cardboard like we used to have mm-hmm. uh, and so i think there's a real symbiotic opportunity here between support for the paper and cardboard industry in southwest washington and getting plastics out of our waste stream um, and I, that is something that I'd love to champion uh, as a member of Congress. That's awesome. And then pivoting really quickly to some more of those national issues. You know, what does a vote for Marie Glucekamp Perez mean for Social Security, for abortion, for Medicare? Yeah, I, I am going to work my tail off to ensure that our rights to health care are federally protected. That is that is critical. We cannot assume that our rights are protected in Washington State and Oregon right now, either place, because like take these people seriously like joe kent will enact a national ban on abortion that that is his stated goal you know he's talked about lowering the age of retirement and and this is just like this sort of frog level reasoning right he's his idea is that um because people are living longer we can increase the age of retirement white collar workers are living longer blue collar workers like my family and i are not living longer so when you increase the age of retirement, we're the ones paying for their extra vacation time, you know, and it's just like, it's just like th- thievery, you know? And so 
Um, I will work to enact actual solvency reform in Social Security. Hot topic in our, you know, I know that's a hot topic in our demographic, but um, it's something that we, we have to address because we're going to be the ones holding the bag on that if we don't. Absolutely. And so I know you did the pitch earlier, but I'd love for you to do it one more time, even more specific. So we're only a handful of days away. What's the best way for folks to get involved with your campaign? How can they help? Where should they go? Yes, please come door knock. Please come door knock. We need your help door knocking. Um, You can do that on my website, marieforcongress.com backslash volunteer. We need your help door knocking. This matters. Turnout matters. Um, you know, and let me just say, like a lot of the older door knockers who used to like they were old, like they old hands at this, they were experienced. They're afraid of COVID and they're not coming out mm-hmm. to volunteer. Mm-hmm. We need younger people to show up and door knock. Um, we also we have we've got to do more rural radio buys. We've got to be doing more texting programs. And that takes money. So if you can chip in five dollars, 50 bucks, whatever it is, it is not too late to have a big impact because these voters who haven't voted yet are the undecideds. These are the people who are deciding which way this election is going to go. So it's even more imperative that we communicate with them. So you can also make that contribution online. Folks, these elections have consequences and and you could be the difference maker in these races. You, you have to believe these extremists when they tell you who they are. Yeah. And I got to say, it's always such a pleasure to yes. speak to a candidate, not about conspiracy theories about the past and trying to overturn previous elections, but about actual solutions for the future for people. Uh, I think everybody should want to elect somebody who is actually working in the interests of the people in how to improve their lives. Marie Glusenkamp-Perez, thank you so much for coming on this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure. I'm so grateful to, to all of you. Thank you. And everybody go right now. That's marieforcongress.com to donate. And if you want to volunteer, marieforcongress.com slash volunteer. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Midas Touch Podcast. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. 